So as we continue to make our way through this epistle to the Ephesians, coming now to the third chapter, uh, I want to do something that we haven't done yet. I want to look at a certain uh, aspect of Paul's experience that we've yet to look at in our study of the epistle. But before I um, enter into that, let me read to you a few verses from uh, both from this letter and also from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, So back in in chapter one, verse three, we read this, we studied this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then at the end of this third chapter, that we will get to eventually, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And then to the Philippians in the fourth chapter, Paul said there, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then um, chapter four of Philippians again, verses 11 through 13. For I have learned that whatever state I am in, uh, to be content... I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, all of these verses have certain obvious things in common. Number one, they are all written by the same person. Secondly, as you notice, they are all words of encouragement. These and uh, other similar passages in these epistles, they're encouraging. They encourage us as the people of God. And also, we see that they are, all of them, praise-oriented. They're all praising God. They're blessing God. They're um, speaking of the glory of God. So those are the the. the the obvious things that they have in common. Uh, They all have another not so obvious thing in common, and that is this. They were all written from a Roman prison. They were written from a Roman prison. Can you believe that? All of these words of encouragement, these words of praise, they were not written from uh, a personal study in a you know, in an, in an isolated place where Paul was uh, living in comfort. They were written from a prison, from a Roman prison, nonetheless. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Here's a question. How could such encouragement, such praise... Such contentment flow from a man in such difficult circumstances. 
How could it be? I mean, you would, you would think that in being in prison, and, and listen, Roman prisons were, it's, it's not any place that you'd ever want to end up. Um, you know, we, we think of our prisons today, and especially in this country, and of course, uh, some prisons today are sort of more like hotels. Well, this was about as far from that as you could possibly get. This is like the worst thing in your mind that you can imagine for a prison. That's pretty much the kind of prison that Paul was in. So how could such encouragement, praise, contentment, how could that flow from a man in these kinds of circumstances? And remember this too, that Paul's trouble was not because of sin, It was not because of bad choices on his part. Paul's trouble was directly related to his service to Jesus Christ. He had been unjustly accused and placed in prison. But yet here he is um, rejoicing. Here he is uh, bringing encouragement to others. Now, it's important for us to note that whether we like it or not, there are difficult times for the people of God. We, all of us at some time or another, are going to pass through difficult seasons. We're we're going to go through these times where we, we feel like we are in a prison, We're in an uncomfortable situation. We're in a a difficulty and we're locked into it. We can't get out of it. And it's important for us to to understand that uh, because this is real Christianity. But there are those today uh, that are giving to some a false concept of the Christian life they're, they're trying to attract people to churches or whatever through um, what they refer to as a, a positive message. Uh, it's not uncommon to come across uh, advertising for uh, new churches that are starting in communities that, that read something like this. We are uh, a contemporary church designed with you in mind. Come and join us and you will hear messages communicating proven principles for successful living. And and a lot of churches attract people through that kind of um, advertising. You know, it's it's a positive message. You're gonna learn how to, to be more successful in your personal life and more successful in your relationships and maybe more successful in your business or more successful in your marriage or whatever. And although, of course, being a Christian and studying God's word can certainly help us in all these different areas of life, that's really not the primary message of the scripture. It's certainly not the primary message of the New Testament. Paul was a literal prisoner because of his preaching of the gospel, and we might find ourselves in the same thing at some time. We might find ourselves literally in prison for our faith, uh, but if not literally, we will find ourselves at different seasons, like I said, in situations that are for us practically a prison. So here's the question. The big question is, how did Paul deal with his situation? How was it 
that he was able to stay encouraged himself and not only stay encouraged himself, but how was it that he was able to encourage others? How was it that Paul was able to continue to praise God rather than in despair, um, you know, curse God or blame God for the, the problems that he was experiencing? How did he deal with, it, with this situation? Well, he tells us indirectly as he introduces himself here as the prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's how he did it. He saw his circumstances as being part of the bigger picture of God's plan. Now, from the human point of view, Paul seemed to be a prisoner of the Roman government. He seemed to be a prisoner of Nero. But yet Paul doesn't speak of himself as a prisoner of Rome or as a, more specifically as a prisoner of Nero. He says, no, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. What Paul understood, what Paul believed in is what we call the sovereignty of God. And when we talk about the sovereignty of God, what we're talking about is God's rule over everything. God rules over everything. There's nothing that happens that escapes his attention. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't allow to happen. And that's true universally, but it's even more specifically true when it comes to his people. And Paul was convinced of that. He was convinced of the sovereignty of God. And so his reasoning would go something like this. If God wanted him out of prison, he would be out of prison. Since he was in prison, it must be, even though he couldn't understand it, it must be part of God's bigger plan to have him in prison at the time. So that's how he was able to accept it and rejoice even in the middle of it. Now, Paul obviously knew that God had power to deliver him. He would have known that just simply because he knew who God was, but he also would have known it because God had done this for other of his servants in recent times. And Paul would have been familiar with those stories. He would have known the story of how uh, the, the apostles were arrested in Jerusalem in the early days of the uh, development of the church, how they were put into jail and uh, forbidden to preach the gospel, and how an angel came and actually liberated them, let them out of the prison. He would have known that story. He would have known the story of how uh, when Peter was arrested and was awaiting execution, how the Lord sent an angel to rescue Peter. He would have known these things. And of course, he would have then reasoned that uh, just as, as God set Peter free from his imprisonment, just as God set the other apostles free from their imprisonment, he could also set me free. But because he hadn't, Paul accepted the fact that he was the prisoner of Christ. He accepted the fact that there's something in this that I can't understand, that I can't see right now, that is somehow tied to the will of God and ultimately to the glory of God. And this is something that we all need to learn because we're all going to experience things in life that we just don't understand. We just don't see uh, why such a thing could happen. It doesn't make any sense to us from our perspective. I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had with God 
where I have begun the conversation with these words, I don't get it. That is how I have started. I, I'm, um, you don't notice I'm not using the word prayer. Um, I'm using the word conversation. Uh, prayer is a little more, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little more reverent. Mine have just been conversations. Lord, I don't get it. I don't know why you're allowing this. I, none of this makes any sense to me. You ever say anything like that to God? Well, I have many, many times over. And you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing. The Bible tells us that we have access uh, with confidence before him. And the word confidence means that we can speak our mind boldly. So there are times I come to God and I just tell him flat out, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. And if I were you, I would do something like differently than you are doing what you're doing. I, uh, if, if you're open for any kind of advice, let me just suggest to you that we might do things another way. I, I have truly had many of those kinds of conversations uh, with the Lord. So, but Paul, and may, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know that Paul didn't have those conversations at least occasionally uh, himself with God. But there was a point where he just simply embraced the sovereignty of God And he says, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, another question that arises is, why would God allow such a thing? Why why does God throw his servants in prison at times? Whether it's the prison like Paul was in, the Roman dungeon, or the prison that Said is in, in Iran right now, or the prison that other servants of Christ happen to be in literal prison cells in different places of the world, whether it's that or, or the prison of physical affliction or the prison of uh, emotional distress or the prison of family catastrophe or uh, the prison of financial difficulties, whatever, whatever crushing problem comes into our lives that we have no ability to escape. It's like we're locked up in a prison. Why does God allow that kind of thing to happen? Well, let me give you a few things that I think play into this and and give us at least partially the answer. Number one, revelation. God allows this for deeper revelation. Had Paul not been in prison, we might not have the New Testament that we know and love today. Because Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 2 Timothy, and Philemon were all written from prison. Isn't that something? We we often don't realize that, do we? You read those epistles. I don't know about you. I would imagine it's true. I have been so blessed through the scriptures in each one of those letters. I've been so blessed through Ephesians. I think you've been blessed through Ephesians as well. All Philippians, so many times I've been ministered to and spoken to and encouraged. And the same has been true with Colossians. And oh, Second Timothy, one of my favorites. But those would not be in our New Testament if it were not for Paul's imprisonment. Paul was a busy man. He didn't necessarily have time to sit down and write all of these things. It's almost like God said, okay, I need, 
I need you to write some scripture here. Let me set you aside for a while. And there he was. He found himself in the prison. So oftentimes, this is what happens. Uh, God allows these things for greater revelation to come. And as we look at the bigger picture of Uh, the biblical picture, and even as we go beyond the scriptures into our our lives today, uh, we find this pattern that it's during times of distress and difficulty and affliction and uncertainty, it's during these times that we get a deeper understanding of who God is. We have many times a deeper experience with him. I think of Joseph, what a great example. Joseph was in prison as well. Joseph was unjustly uh, cast into a pit and then sold into slavery. And, and he went as a slave as, uh, into the home of a, of a slave owner and he served there. But then he was falsely accused. And as a result of that false accusation, he was thrown into prison. And there he was. And he spent many years in that prison. And no doubt there, his, his uh, hope began to wane. There was one uh, point where one of, the, uh, one of the Pharaoh's close servants was put into prison as well. And uh, Joseph was able to interpret the dream he had, which led, in the end, the, the man was released from prison and restored back to his a position of serving Pharaoh. But Joseph said to him, uh, when you're released, plead my case before Pharaoh. Tell him that there's an innocent man and, and get me out of this prison. And I'm sure the man said, you bet. Oh, you blessed me so much. You told me my future and uh, my future is good. Yes. Just hold on. I'll I'll let him know as soon as I get out. Well, he got out and he just completely forgot about it. And two years passed before anything happened. Now, can you imagine? So Joseph would have been discouraged like anybody else would have been. But here's the thing. As you go later on into the future, as you see uh, Joseph's ultimate deliverance and all those things, uh, Joseph has two sons and one of them he names Ephraim. The name Ephraim means fruitful. And Joseph said this regarding his name. He said, he is Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see, he could look back on it and say, wow, God did something in me. God revealed himself in a greater way. It says in Psalm 105 that they put his feet in the the stocks and that iron entered his soul. And as he was there in that prison, the idea is that his soul was being forged. God was forging in him this this deep thing. So we have that example with Joseph. We see the same thing with Job. Job is the uh, proverbial sufferer. He's the one that we, we make reference to when we want to talk about uh, intense human suffering, we, t- we use Job as the illustration. And he did suffer indeed. And yet, 
when it's all said and done, as he comes to the conclusion of the whole thing, what does he say? He said, you know, before I entered into this experience, I knew about God um, theoretically. That's what he's saying. He said, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. So he knew about God theoretically, but after it's all over, he says, but now I know you experientially. And you see, that's what happens. We could say the same thing about Moses. We forget, we read the story about Moses there in the wilderness and the the burning bush, but we forget that Moses was in the wilderness because he was in exile. He was a prince of Egypt, but he was in exile in the wilderness. But it was there in his exiled state that God met him and revealed himself to him. Or you think a little bit further into the history and you think of Isaiah who said, when in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uzziah was a great king. And when he died, it was uh, tragic. And all of the security that Uzziah had brought to the kingdom would just suddenly vanished. It was a dark time, but Isaiah said, it was in the year that Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. So you see, we we see here in these that God uses these times, these imprisonments, whatever they might be, he uses them to deepen our experience with him. Are you suffering today? Are you in some prison today? Remember, God is sovereign. Remember that. Know today that God could release you from the prison. Just so simply. He could do it faster than that. But if he hasn't done it, then this is where you fall back and you say, okay, Lord, um, you're doing something here. I might not be able to see it. I might not get it. But I believe it. I believe that you're doing something here. And I'm going to look for a deeper work of your spirit to take place as a result of this. So Paul understood that. But you know, he also understood that he didn't go through things uh, for his own benefit only. He went through things also for the benefit of others. And so he says here, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. He saw that his imprisonment meant blessing to the Gentiles. And that was indeed the case. He said to the Philippians, who were greatly distressed over his imprisonment. The Philippian church was very closely uh, connected with Paul. He had started the church. He had led many of them to personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so they had a a commitment to Paul. They, They would support him as he would go out in his ministry. And word came back to them that he was now in prison, and they were deeply distressed over this. They were greatly concerned for Paul. But he wrote to them, and he said this. He said, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You see, this is another thing we have to factor in. The things that happened to us turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. 
the gospel quite often is advanced through the things that we go through. We are enabled to minister to people that we couldn't previously minister to or we couldn't minister to had we not been there to some degree ourselves. And so Paul went on to say there, he said, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul says, look, I know it looks bad. I know you think this is horrible, but listen, God is using this to advance the gospel. My chains have emboldened others. They have thought, man, if Paul can be in prison for Christ, what am I doing? Why am I just sitting around doing nothing? They began to boldly speak up and the gospel was then being spread. My prisons have given me opportunities to minister to people that I wouldn't otherwise have. I know that. I've been through my own fair share of prisons over the years. The prison of physical affliction, suffering with a physical illness for many years and, and looking back on that and at times it being so dark and didn't make any sense. And you wonder how, you know, Lord, how could this even be beneficial? But now with hindsight, now I can look back and, and see how man, that was all preparing me. And the people that I've, I've been privileged to be able to, to minister to and, and realizing that I couldn't, have, I couldn't have done that to that extent had I not lived through that experience myself. You see, we, we have to go through these things for our own uh, greater revelation of who God is, but we have to go through these things for the benefit of others as well. And God will allow us these times because he wants to do a work, not just in us, but he wants to do a work through us. You know, I think of young pastors and I think of myself as a young pastor who uh, I remember, you know, I knew a lot of things theoretically. I'd read books and gotten information and I could tell stories, but I found that they just seemed to be a bit shallow at times because they were other people's stories. And I remember right here from this uh, platform speaking when I was in my early 20s and talking about uh, you know, the great faith stories of Pastor Chuck. But I remember at the time thinking, man, this is lame. I'm up here telling somebody else's faith story. And I, I, I vividly remember thinking to myself, I need my own faith stories. Lord, I, I need some faith. I didn't know what in the world I was praying for. What was I thinking? God said, you do. You do need some faith. I need to build up your faith here. Let me throw you in this pit for a while. And he did. He threw me into a pit of affliction. And I'm not kidding. And I'm not exaggerating. It was a horrific time. It was a horrific time. And some of you that know me and have known me for a long time, you remember what that was like. But you know, I look back now and I think I could not, I, I could not do what I do now. I couldn't minister to people in ways that I've been able to. I couldn't do it without those experiences. They were necessary to forge something in me. 
And, and that's the way it is. And like I said, you know, sometimes I listen to young preachers who know everything. They know it all by theory. The problem is they haven't lived any of it. They haven't had any experience, but God is faithful. And he knows, he knows when you need to go to prison for a while. He knows when you need a season of incarceration and uh, darkness to, to cultivate and to develop your, your life spiritually. God knows. And he's sovereign. You know, this past week with our granddaughter, you know, of course, as I mentioned, she was born and seemingly perfect, and it wasn't... Uh, but a few hours later before they realized that there was something wrong and then they discovered this, this heart defect. And, you know, there have been occasions that, that we have heard of a couple people there uh, not knowing the full extent of what it was until there were, were some more tests done. But there, you know, sometimes it takes a few hours or it can even take a day or two before everything starts functioning properly with the baby. So we thought, well, maybe it'll all just kick in. But then when it became known to us that it was this, this thing called TGA and that surgery is, is um, always necessary, we thought, well, of course, God can do miraculous things. And I remember we were praying for a few days, Lord, you know, it would just be so great if, if you could just heal it miraculously. So the point is, the thought was, you know, for her to have to go through the surgery, a seven-hour surgery for a newborn. And then, you know, as a parent, you know, uh, as a grandparent thinking about her, but as a parent thinking about my kids going through, you know, as mom and dad going through this thing, and you're just like, oh, Lord, please. But then at, the, at a certain point, you just resign yourself, Lord, if this needs to happen, it needs to happen this way. But then you see God's sovereignty. And you know, in this particular situation, my son and my daughter-in-law, they had, they had an insurance policy. And the week before the baby was born, their insurance switched. They, their one insurance was canceled and they went to another one. And it, it really upset them because they had their two previous children in the same hospital. They were planning to go back there. It was something they, they were familiar with. It was something they were comfortable with. But all of a sudden, the, uh, the insurance switches so they can't have the baby at that hospital. They got to go to this new place. And everything just seemed to be uh, sort of turned upside down for them. But you know, talking about God's sovereign hand over things as a result of this new insurance, the baby who needed this surgery was sent to the best possible place on the West Coast to go to, Stanford University Hospital, and ended up, with, without anybody knowing any of this, ended up with one of the, the most world-renowned surgeons in this particular surgery. So, you know, you see, you see God's sovereign hand, but you see him allowing them to go through, you know, that, that seven-hour surgery on Friday was like, you know, it was like seven months. It just, it just seemed to go on forever. You know, you're just every few minutes, you're like, I wonder how she's doing. Oh, Lord, you know. And my point is, it, it would have been so much nicer had we just been able to avoid that. But God knows what we need. 
And he knows that that develops character in us. He knows that that increases our faith and dependency on him. He, he knows these things. So as I said, my personal prisons have definitely given me opportunities. So I, I understand what Paul is saying. I'm a prisoner, not of Nero. I'm a prisoner of Christ. And I'm not a prisoner for, for nothing. I'm a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles. I'm a prisoner that my experiences here and my, my growth that's going to take place in my understanding of God is going to benefit other people. Talking about benefiting other people, uh, Baron just showed me an article before I came out today. And I know that part of this already, but we, you know, we've prayed for Saeed so many times. And I know some wonder, well, how, you know, we keep praying for him. How come he's still in prison? Why isn't God letting him out of prison? What a classic modern day example, right? He's in prison. And yet, even as uh, Nagme was here, his wife uh, with us back in January, she was saying that her and Saeed had prayed, Lord, let us reach the nations. Lord, let us reach the world. She said, we had no idea that uh, in their minds, Saeed's the preacher. He's the one who's going to reach the masses. She had no idea that Saeed was going to go to prison and she was going to be brought before rulers and presidents and prime ministers and, and United Nations and all of this to give a testimony for Christ. That's how God is advancing the gospel. And, and what Barron showed me in a magazine this morning, the point was that since Saeed's imprisonment, more Iranians have come to faith in Christ. And it was a picture of this mass baptism, the largest baptism that's taken place in that part of the world in centuries due to what's happening in that prison. That through Saeed's suffering, many are emboldened to speak the name of Christ. Many are getting saved for eternity. You see, God does things differently than we would do them. And so, if you find yourself in a prison today, maybe you're in some prison, you're in a situation that you're locked up in, you can't get out of it. You've tried. And you just can't get out. The situation doesn't change. It just goes on. If you find yourself in a prison today as a Christian, know, first of all, that you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You're not a prisoner of the circumstances. God hasn't forgotten you. It's not that these things are greater than God or his plan for your life. Just like the situation with Paul and Nero. No, it wasn't Nero. It was Christ who allowed him to be in prison and through this time, God is working a deeper work in your life so that you might experience him in a greater way and that you might also more effectively minister to people that come across your path. Somebody was asking me last week, I think it was somebody at the pastor's conference, I can't remember the details of it, um, but somebody that has known me for many years and knew some of the things that I'd gone through for a long time. They asked me, you know, how, how are you doing with that? And wow, that was just so amazing that you went through that. And I was reflecting on it and thinking about it. And I, I, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think I look back on that, and I cannot believe I lived through it. 
I cannot believe that I, I actually lived through that. I came out the other side because when I was in it, I didn't think I was going to make it through. I never even knew that you could experience the, the depths of that kind of darkness or depression. But as I was talking to him and we were kind of reflecting back on that, um, you know, it just made me think that as, as horrible as that was, and, and certainly I never would have chosen it had, I, had God asked me my permission to <laughs> allow me to go through that affliction, I would have passed on that. Um, but, but I look back now and I see, you know, on the other side of it, I could see how necessary it was. And I could say I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it because of what I know it's done in my own heart and in my own life. So listen. If you're a believer today and you're in prison, Christ is the warden. And he's a good warden. And he knows what we can handle and he knows what we can't handle. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to endure. He's given us those promises. And if he knows that we need a little longer or we need it to be a little more intense, he's going to allow for that to happen. But there's a purpose in all of this. There's a big eternal picture that is being painted. There's a whole eternal purpose that's being worked out here. And one day, it'll all be clear. And one day, we'll see it. But now is our opportunity to embrace it by faith. One day, it'll be clear. One day, we won't even need any faith. We'll just go, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, why didn't I realize that? But you know what I always would think? In the midst of those Seasons, I would think, Lord, I want to have the victory now. I don't want to have the victory when the victory is obvious. I don't want you to finally do what you said you're going to do and then go, okay, now I get it. Now I believe. Lord, help me to, to just by faith lay hold of it now. That's, that's where there's a real blessing. So know that God He's the one. He's allowed it. But it's only to deepen your understanding of him. It's only to further prepare you for eternity. And it's also to equip you to more effectively help those others that are hurting, those others that you're going to cross paths with as you walk throughout your life. If you're not a Christian today, if you're not a a person who's received Christ and is following Christ, you're in a different sort of prison. You're in a prison of sin. And that that prison of sin is, there's torment, there's there's, uh, torture, there's there's all kinds of mental grief and anxiety and all, all those things. But listen, Christ has the key to unlock the prison door and to set you free, and he wants to do that for you. Now, I don't want anyone to leave today going, oh, no, I'm going to be thrown in prison. God, 
Why are you going to do this to me? You know, we don't know. None of us know. But listen, as we go through life, of course, as much as we wish we never had to suffer. You know, I wish those positive messages things, I, I wish that was all true. That'd be great. What? You mean I can live a problem-free life? That sounds wonderful. It's just not a reality. But we, we don't want to live either with that anxiety that, oh no, what's going to happen? You know, sometimes I hear Christians say this, man, things are going so good right now. I'm just, I'm just freaked out, you know, because I know, I know that something bad's coming. I just know it. It can't, it can't be good for this long. You know what? No, don't think that way. God's your father. He doesn't delight in afflicting us. It's not like he looks at us and goes, these guys are having way too much fun. Here, let's just smack them around a little bit. No, no. He only afflicts. It says in the Psalms, he does not afflict willingly. He only allows these things when he knows that they're needed. And he knows things that we don't know. So may be encouraged. And may we like Paul, he's in prison, but listen to his letters. He's not saying, oh, woe is me, poor me, I'm in such a bad state. He's saying, oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's saying, be anxious for nothing. Prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where Paul was at. That's where God would have us to be as well. So may he help us. Lord, we thank you that we're never in a prison that is not ultimately for our benefit and your glory. And so help us. And Lord, I know today there are, there are some in prison. I know there are some going through a deep season of trial. Maybe it's physical. Maybe their health has failed. In some cases, maybe it's family. Maybe um, a marriage is broken up or children have gone astray. Maybe it's uh, a job has been lost and out of money and financial burden is heavy. Any number of things, Lord, minister today to those that are in prison. Let them know, Lord, that you are with them that they belong to you and that you are working sovereignly through all of these circumstances for their benefit and your glory. And Lord, if there are, are those today that are shut up in the prison of sin, they don't know Christ, never been freed from the sin that's taking its toll, that's destroying them, here and now and, and going to lead to their condemnation. Lord, may they know today that you have the key to set them free and may they seek you out and find that great salvation. So Lord, here we are. Pour out your grace upon us and may we, like Paul, see things from your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen.